Hello and welcome to a Wednesday, December 13th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris Kermani, and today we get a nine-game slate to take us through on an exciting Wednesday. We're going to have a bunch of matchups where there's quite a bit of interest in that mid-tier section, and really my spend-ups are going to be focused on the front court side of things while I feel like there's quite a bit of value to be able to take advantage of in the backcourt and wing positions. Before we get into it, as always, get yourself subscribed to the Sports Ethos DFS Pass, where you can get yourself access to not only the best content as far as your fantasy pass daily details are concerned, your props, your uh, pickums as far as certain matchups are concerned. And of course, you get the DFS delivery as well, which really doubles down on some of the details that we go into during the podcast itself. Best of all, you'll also get onto our Discord where you can ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock just exactly what is going to make that bit of difference to be able to take down some of those bigger GPPs. But let's jump right into it, where we're going to start talking about the point guard slot. And here is where I feel like there is a good bit of opportunity to be able to take advantage of a couple of different matchup opportunities. Uh, First of all, we saw for the Toronto Raptors, Dennis Schroeder finally get himself out of that extended, terrible shooting slump that he had been in, in which I believe since uh, mid of a bit of November he hadn't had a single game where he shot above 50% from the field and it was really hampering the rest of his game as well really starting to take a toll on some of the other aspects but his price tag has actually dropped all the way down to 6,000 which is near the lowest it has been for the entire season while being in a up-tempo matchup against an Atlanta team that hasn't been a great wing defending team they've had much better success uh, being a little bit more pesky in the middle but Dennis Schroeder who's going to get his opportunity to go up against his old team and up against Trey Young on the other side should have a good opportunity to replicate something similar to what he did against the New York Knicks in that previous game for the Raptors we should see a similar game total and for him to have the opportunity to drop 40 plus as far as DK points are concerned gives him a very very solid opportunity to be able to go ahead and take advantage of that Uh, Secondly, as far as another uh, cheaper guard is concerned, we saw uh, Jaden Ivey get back into a regular minutes total in that last game against Indiana. Clearly, you know, Detroit, despite uh, taking the loss on there, did actually have one of their better efforts uh, up against uh, an Indiana team that has obviously been excellent all the way uh, throughout the season. And it was uh, Killian Hayes that took a little bit of a backseat where they needed a bit more offense. And it was Jaden Ivey, who is sitting at 5,500 here as your point guard, getting the opportunity to play uh, closer to his uh, early season minutes total there. In fact, played 34 which is a season high, and went alongside 15 shots that he got in that game as well. So while he's not necessarily going to be the greatest as far as his supporting stats are concerned, if he's able to put up those kind of shots in a matchup where uh, Philly is definitely going to be better to attack on the outside rather than trying to go up against Embiid, I expect that Detroit at home is going to try their absolute best to have a a three-point barrage from outside to try and see if they can finally break that extended losing streak that they have. 
beyond that, as far as uh, some of the other uh, potential opportunities are concerned, I do believe that uh, Scotty Barnes at 8,600 should be in a good spot to get himself kind of back into a better uh, better groove than he has been in the last uh, couple of home games that we had, where uh, against Miami, he struggled from the field, and before that, he had struggled from the field against Phoenix as well. But by and large, he's had a good turnaround to his shooting, has hit uh, two and a half threes over the last four games as well, which is always a good uh, a good sign of him getting some of his confidence back. And then in general, with him and Pascal uh, getting into a better groove of kind of working off each other, even though the Raptors themselves haven't had great personal results, they found themselves in a much better offensive groove over the last little bit, whereas earlier uh, in, in November, they were really finding themselves struggling with the ball over there. But in general, 8,600, which is you know, a really good spot for him to be able to have another kind of close to 50, point, uh, 50 DK point night, has been in a much better shooting form at home versus away, where he shot 50% from the field and 43% from three. All of those uh, go into a good position for him to go ahead and take advantage of a good matchup here. Moving on to the shooting guards, where a lot of these guys have dual eligibility for me to be able to look at. Uh, Going back to that Philly-Detroit game, I still do believe that Cade continues to be a very solid pick to take throughout. And it really just comes down to kind of him being on a hot streak as far as his uh, field goal percentage is concerned as well. We saw that extended run in November where he was shooting absolutely terribly, about uh, 39 to 40% from the field, and also having some just ridiculous turnover numbers, often hitting uh, four to five a game. Now, he started to pull that back now in the last, uh, throughout the month of December, he's actually got his turnover numbers down closer to three, which is where you want to see for the kind of usage that he's getting, yet still getting himself close to uh, 20 field goal attempts a game. So it just gives a good opportunity, as long as Detroit at home uh, can keep things close, which I expect that they should be able to in this uh, this kind of a matchup over here, where it's going to be a faster pace one. Embiid is obviously going to be Embiid, and likely Philadelphia comes through. But in uh, in away games, Philadelphia has found itself in uh, usually t- a tougher situation kind of down the stretch rather than at home, where they have been a little bit more dominant. So I do like Kate at 8,400 again, that kind of expensive tier but the low end of that while giving you the upside to be able to go ahead and uh, have a guy who could potentially get you mid to high 40s as far as his uh, his night's concerned so definitely one that i am looking at here on the other hand looking into the mid-tier side of things i'm looking at that memphis and houston matchup as something that could be a an exciting matchup from a pure game totals perspective we don't have the uh, the full numbers here as of yet but i expect it'll be one of the higher ones as of the night and we already saw earlier in the season where Jalen Green had an incredibly good night against a Memphis team that has been incredibly generous in terms of opposition scoring. And uh, for Jalen Green, who's been in a much, much stronger uh, a stronger shooter at home versus away, again, you know, seeing that a little bit of a, of a trend here for some of these uh, mid-tier guys, uh, for someone who's shooting about 6% better from the three-point line as well as uh, from the field in general versus his away games. Jalen Green dropped 45 DK points last time he took on. Memphis only needed 29 minutes to be able to do that, and his ownership is likely going to be a little bit low given that he had in that Spurs game, a bit of a down game there, but it was a a low total game overall. I'm looking more at uh, him being able to come into the high 30s to low 40s in this kind of a matchup where it should be, you know, Houston at home trying to do the best they can against a Memphis team that has obviously been struggling. It's kind of a, a battle of the uh, battle of the bottom of the uh, of the Western Conference here, but a good opportunity in general for Houston guys to be able to go ahead and rack up a couple of good fantasy nights. 
moving into the small forward side of things and this is where again some of that that mid tier is really coming through the first one that i've really been keeping an eye on has been chris middleton's minutes total which now over the last two games has finally seen him breach that 30 minute barrier got all the way up to 33 minutes in that last game against chicago had 30 minutes the game before that against indiana and as expected with him and getting back into the groove we saw him comfortably drop 38 and 39 DK points in those two matchups there. So his price is going to start to adjust back into its normalcy of high sevens to low eights as far as his uh, his salary is concerned. But for him, sitting at 6,500 at the moment in an Indiana-Milwaukee match, which, again, Indiana in general, you know that you're going to get a massive points total every time you go up against them. Uh, they're just continuously able to go ahead and put up 120, 125 a night, despite uh, Milwaukee obviously being a tougher defense than they would have on a regular basis. But in general, I just uh, assume that until and unless we see it happen for an extended period, you're going to get a high scoring yet close matchup with Indiana playing as well as they are. So for Chris Middleton, he can get himself closer to that uh, same 30 minute mark that he had last time against Indiana a couple of nights ago. We'll see him go ahead and again be in that uh, range of 40 or thereabouts as far as DK points. So definitely keep taking advantage of that as he gets himself back into a regular groove. Uh, in that same uh, matchup and a little bit cheaper than that, uh, Benedict Mathurin, who is also sitting at 5,500, getting that uh, shooting guard and small forward dual eligibility. We obviously saw him uh, get to a massive night against Detroit a couple of nights ago where he ended up playing 37 minutes, got 17 field goal attempts, and ended up on a 55 DK point night on 30 actual points on there. So while we don't necessarily expect that on a nightly basis, he has had two straight games now where he's had 20 plus. Uh, he's getting his field goal attempts to consistently be in that 13 to 14 mark. And again, it's just one of those things where he just needs to have a decent shooting night, and then you'll find that he often stays on the floor longer to be able to go ahead and build upon that. So really just comes down to whether you believe he can shoot even half decently against uh, against Milwaukee over here. He did struggle against them uh, in that um, in that in-season tournament game where he ended up shooting 3 of 12, but I expect that if he's going to get the opportunity to be on the floor, you know, 28 to 30 minutes on there, and the fact that he absolutely loves to attack the basket rather than shooting from outside at the beginning, it really just comes down to if he can find himself being effective there. And his free throw rate, which has been 17 free throws over the last two games, is obviously a uh, a bit of a bump up from what we had been seeing earlier in the season, but it, it is something more akin to how he he likes to play in what we saw uh, a lot more during the uh, previous season as well. So Indiana obviously believes in him, is giving him the minutes, and it's going to be a matchup where he can go ahead and try and get into uh, the uh, sides of Brook Lopez and Giannis and find ways to be able to take them off kilter because otherwise, as, as you know, Indiana, uh, Milwaukee can be very pesky on the, uh, on the perimeter otherwise, so you want to try and break them down. And then finally, uh, looking a little bit higher here at the uh, 7800 side of things, and another matchup with uh, with Washington being a another super super generous team as far as opposing points uh, are concerned. And the good thing is that at home they've been a little bit closer as far as their spreads are concerned. We have Brandon Ingram, who has been on a bit of a lull as far as his shooting is concerned over the last two games. Here should be finding a good opportunity to get himself turned around on that. 
and having his price tag now fall into the 7,000s gives him enough buffer to be able to go ahead and make this a good opportunity for you to go ahead and take him in that Pelicans game. Obviously, we saw that Zion is starting to really uh, get himself kicked into high gear as far as his usage is concerned. Had an excellent game in that last one against um, against Minnesota where he absolutely took them out. But expect in this game that you're going to see a little bit more of Brandon Ingram getting involved, uh, getting his opportunity to be able to attack a Washington defense that has been absolutely porous. I mean, they're porous all around, but specifically from the outside, they've been one of the worst teams in the league in allowing a perimeter to, perimeter players to go up and put up big nights against them. So definitely looking forward to Ingram having an opportunity to have a, um, a night that is more akin to what we would see with his usual salary of uh, mid to high 8,000. So a good opportunity with some upside over here for him. Uh, moving into the front court side of things, where I have a little bit more interest in being able to pay up on some of these guys over here. And I'll actually put the power forward and center position together here because they really have a lot of uh, dual eligibility to be able to take a look at. But uh, starting, uh, first of all, with a guy that uh, got his confidence back his minutes back and the opportunity to start last game uh, this is actually going to be my mid-tier pick which is osar thompson back again in that philly and detroit game over here we saw him get to 33 minutes in the last game and even though he had a you know, great shooting night that's not necessarily been reminiscent of what he had uh, kind of early on in the season over here but the biggest thing is that he was able to go ahead and keep himself out of foul trouble as a result got to 33 minutes. 5900 is a good price tag for a guy that has shown the capability to have monster rebounding nights alongside the fact that his uh, his scoring can be off and on but you know he'll get enough field goal attempts. You know Detroit as we've spoken about throughout the season, really doesn't have you know the world to play for as far as pure uh, results are concerned. So really for them, it's about developing as much of their promising talent as they do have. And Osar Thompson has definitely been the shining light as far as their defensive side of things are is concerned. And also just as a, as a rookie talent in general has been one of the better ones of the season. So he definitely needs his confidence back and his minutes to continue to remain where they are. And for him to get 33 in the last game and shoot eight out of 10, I expect he'll get more uh, more of an opportunity to be able to continue to do that in this game as well and have a decent matchup. But going again up to the top as far as uh, price tags are concerned here, uh, Victor Wembenyama, who I haven't necessarily taken on a night-in, night-out basis, just given the fact that rookies in general are, you know, unless it's a very you know, matchup or a matchup that I really feel confident about, I'd be jumping into. But, you know, what we have seen in Lakers games is as much as guys like Anthony Davis can have monster nights, they're often finding themselves not necessarily uh, defending the primary big man on the other end. They want Anthony Davis to be able to focus his, uh, his, uh, opportunities and his attention on the offensive end and then they usually have a combination of a bunch of different guys in the front court to be able to try and fight out at the uh, at the center side of things so whether that be you know Christian Wood getting more of an opportunity Jackson Hayes uh, we do have Vanderbilt uh, who didn't play the last game and we'll see if he's able to go ahead and uh, come back into this game here but in general it's a bit of a committee effort as far as this uh, kind of thing is concerned so it's just what it is from that perspective but Wemben Yambo on the other hand has been just showing a great bout of consistency as of late with his performance and regardless of the fact that uh, he hasn't necessarily been shooting well every single game in and out what we have been seeing are some insane rebounding totals over the last little bit and he's on uh, five double doubles in a row at this point averaging closer to 14-15 rebounds in that time hitting the heights of what he did in the last two games where he got to 38 rebounds over the last two there and 
while still giving you a lot of upside as far as his stocks are concerned, where you know, four out of the last five games, he's had four blocks or more. So it's just a great run for him at the moment in December as he uh, really, really starts to uh, pick up steam as the defensive stalwart that he was you know, touted to be coming in. And he's really starting to come into his own as far as that is concerned. And his move to starting purely at center has been something that has worked really well with uh, with Zach Collins kind of moving more towards a kind of a bench role or a bit of a power forward role as well. So it's, it's definitely a focus that the Spurs have on giving uh, Wemby as much opportunity at the center, and it is yielding some pretty good early results here. So 8,800 still continues to give you enough of a floor while giving his upside an opportunity to really come out as well. Definitely one of my favorite spend-ups as a uh, power forward slash center is concerned. And then, you know, speaking of spend-ups in general, you know, Embiid I just can't get away from, right? It's one of those things where uh, if we're looking at most slates over here, unless it's a matchup that looks like it'll be absolutely kind of blown out of proportion where he won't get the kind of minutes that you're hoping, now you know that Embiid in even 30 to 32 minutes is going to be somewhere close to 70, and he has been that consistently from mid-November uh, mid up until now. So for him to have another matchup against a Detroit team where he's away from home, uh, it usually has been closer games up until now. The last uh, you know, bunch of games that uh, that Philly has had, uh, apart from one game against Brooklyn where they were able to blow them out, every single game has been a close uh, single-digit affair going all the way down, which has allowed Embiid in the last uh, in the last three out of four away games to be able to play somewhere closer to 37 minutes. And really it comes down to if he's getting that kind of minutes total, he is absolutely going to have a dominant night. And for Detroit, who really have very little in the front court to be able to go ahead and throw up against him, they're likely going to have a combination of Wiseman and Isaiah Stewart try and deal with Embiid. Not not a good opportunity for them to uh, try and uh, do much there. So Embiid should have yet another dominant night as he continues his dominant run as far as fantasy is concerned. You know, we've seen Jokic take a bit of a backseat as the center so far early in the fantasy season, and it's been Embiid that has come through and really shown not only with his pure point scoring, which is obviously going to be insane, and it's about 33 points a night, but the fact that he's got his assists all the way up to six and up as far as his uh, dimes per game is concerned just gives you so much more as far as his fantasy line is that you just don't have to worry about him having the kind of price tag he does to be able to do that night in and night out. And I do expect that he will pretty comfortably be the best fantasy point scorer on this night. So definitely the guy that I am going to be heavily focusing on as my as my center, as my kind of pillar to build around the rest of my lineup. And then finally, uh, going back once more over to that uh, Atlanta and Toronto game, and we spoke about Scotty Barnes earlier, but what we also have seen is at home, Pascal Siakam getting a lot more usage and a lot more opportunity as he gets himself kind of back into that regular groove. I do think this price tag is you know, dropping a little bit from that kind of mid-8,000s that he was uh, earlier on in um, in November there to give him a little bit more opportunity to kind of have some room to grow here. Uh, Siakam on his, on his end has been shooting excellently over the last uh, five games at this point now, has been averaging about 55% from the field in that time. And you've seen that he's kind of gone away from his three-point game, which isn't necessarily the worry. But what he is doing is that he's making it up with averaging about uh, six, seven free throws a game in, in that time as well. So really, it comes down to if he can have a decent night as far as the rebounding side of things is concerned, because really, that's the one area that we've kind of seen it be off and on. If he can have a night where he averages 
know, get closer to eight to nine rebounds a game. Usually that uh, kind of com- coincides with him getting a bunch more putbacks, uh, being a little bit more active on the floor in general. And allowing him to have uh, those nights where he ends up with, you know, mid 40s as far as DK points are concerned. So in an Atlanta game where Toronto is definitely going to be trying to play at a good pace at home to try and get themselves back into uh, the winning ways, having seen a couple of uh, bad losses in the last little bit. I expect Siakam's going to really be raring to go over here and uh, taking on a matchup that he has uh, historically enjoyed. He did really well against Atlanta last year as well. And uh, Siaka for 8,100 is going to be a good pairing with Scotty Barnes for their price tags to have uh, kind of good opportunities to be able to go ahead and beat those salaries pretty comfortably. But that is going to bring me to the end of, like I said, a nine-game slate where there's a lot of ways to go. There's clearly certain matchups that I've found have been a more favored focus for me. There's some good totals to be able to look at it. And from a injury perspective, you always want to be able to keep yourself up to date on what's going on. So get yourself to sportsethos.com. Look at that live injury report that comes alongside everything else that is on the fantasy pass there. So sportsethos.com, get yourself subscribed. You can always hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at HK underscore devil as we talk about all of the big games coming into the month of December, moving into uh, the new year, really seeing where a lot of teams are starting to kind of find their footing and uh, really getting in the groove as far as their uh, rotations are concerned. So definitely hit me up on how you think this slate is going to go, what you think is going to be the way to focus as far as your pillar plays are concerned and whether Embiid is going to be that dominant yet again. But until then... Best of luck to everyone, and let's go ahead and take down some more of these GPPs.